I'll tell you what, I love the church. I love the quirkiness of the church. I love, I mean, because you know, we're, we're weird, right? Like everybody's weird, but like the church is an interesting place, okay? If you don't know that yet, stick around a little bit. But it's, I love it and it's beautiful. And what I love is that this is what God gave us to journey well through life together is the church. This is certainly not what I would have thought of if God was like, Quint, what do you think is the best plan? I'm gonna give salvation. I'm gonna give the Holy Spirit. Then what? I'm an introvert. So the last thing I would have chose is let's be around people, okay? But I just love just the, the community that we find together and the opportunity to grow and change and learn together. And we're in this series on forgiveness and what a great thing to study together how to live well and live forgiven and forgive people. So I just want to remind you uh, that what we have going on during this series, last week, Pastor Nicole, uh, we had, it's called the Keys to Forgiveness. There's some keys on some tables in the center of the room. If you did not get one, I would encourage you to grab one before you leave today. I have mine on my keychain. And honestly, it's just a reminder when you see it to live forgiven, to live as forgiven people and also to live exuding forgiveness. So definitely check that out. Grab one of those if you did not. Um, also, we are going to have a special worship service on Wednesday, August 3rd at 6 p.m., okay, right here in this room, and it's going to be a chance to come together to worship. There will be uh, a, a, really an activation point on all of this forgiveness content that we're learning together. And then lastly, there is a soul, a soul care class happening right now that is focusing on forgiveness. So I would encourage you, it's not too late. If you want to jump in, you can come this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. right here to the church and jump in on soul care. But that would definitely be a great way to take this yet a step further. So these are just things, you know, as we study these things out, we don't want to just learn about it. We want to also know how can we apply it in our lives. And that's what we're talking about this morning. So if you have been here any length of time and heard me preach, you know at some point a motorcycle story is probably going to make its way into the message, okay? And I would apologize for it, but I'm not sorry. So that would be disingenuous. So I'm not going to do that. But what I thought we could do today is let's just get it out of the way. Can we just start with a motorcycle story and then we'll get into the word and, and we'll see uh, what God has for us. So I have a really good friend his name's Cameron. He's a pastor about an hour away from here. And I got into motorcycles like five years ago. And really, ever since I got into to bikes, he's talked about it, and he's thought about it, and he's sat on mine, and he's asked about it. But he's never really, like, committed, okay? Uh, and so he, anytime he brings it up, I kind of just, of course, I encourage him. I think it's a great way to spend your, your spare time. But I just kind of, like, I don't push him because it's not a good... It's not a good way to get into riding bikes, like being pressured into it, okay? That's probably not a great starting point. So I give him space. I've really chilled out over the years. Old Quint would have been like, here's 10 Craigslist posts. Buy one of these. You know, I would have been like over the top. But I've really backed off and I've mellowed out. And so anyways, probably like a month ago, he sends me a picture of a 1982, this matters to like three people in this room, a 1982 Kawasaki LTD 550. Okay, this is the perfect first bike. His birth year is 1982. I mean, it is meant to be. You know what I'm saying? And so he sends me the picture. He drives by it for like two weeks. And then finally, he buys the bike. Okay, he buys the motorcycle. And I'm so happy. And I'm just like, yes, let's do this. Uh, and so anyways, he, because he lives an hour away, I didn't get to go with him on his first ride, okay? But our mutual friend, Jake, who also rides, did. And so they go out, they probably log like, I don't know, 40, 50 miles. 
And they pull back into Cameron's driveway. Jake looks at Cameron and says, well, and Cameron goes, he says the best answer. This is the best answer. If you ever get into bikes, this is the answer you need to give. He looks at Jake and he says, I get it now. I get it now. That's what he said. And I'm just, when Jake told me that, I was like, yes, that is what's up. I love it. So, you know, he, he looked at people on bikes. He watched uh, us ride bikes. He sat on my bike one time when we were at lunch together. But until he bought his own bike and rode it 40 or 50 miles, he didn't get it. But now he gets it. Now, we're not here to talk about motorcycles this morning. We're here to talk about forgiveness. I know that. Someone was about to remind me. I know why we're here, okay? And so what I want to do as we have gathered as the church to talk about this is talk about what it looks like to be forgiven people who also exude, give out, bestow forgiveness, okay? I don't want to just be someone who sees people that live forgiven, I don't want to just be someone who watches someone who gives forgiveness and says, I'm interested in that. That seems like a, a nice way to live if I could ever get there. I want to be a type of people who embrace that, who do that, and then who can look at our pastor, our small group leader, our best friend who dragged us to church today and say, oh, I get it now. It's such a better way to live when you can forgive other people, okay? So my prayer at the end of today is that we will take actual steps towards doing that. That is the goal in all of this conversation and all this learning on forgiveness, all right? Last week, we looked at the key that forgiveness plays in our healing, okay? Pastor Nicole had a great message. If you didn't catch that, go back and listen to it. Today, we're going to talk about the key that forgiveness plays in our blessing. And actually, while we were sitting down here and we were praying as we wrapped up that last song, I felt like God just dropped into my heart. We, we talked about, um, may his favor be upon you in a thousand generations. And we're praying all these blessings on future generations. And you know what I feel like God wants us to know today? Do you know you can be the blessing for your generations to come just by being someone who gives forgiveness Do you know that? Do you know that one of the greatest blessings you can give your kids, and I know this because I'm living proof, is that you forgive people. That is such a great blessing to not hold on to bitterness, to not hold on to anger, to not justify it. Let's get into the word, and I'll I'll show you what I mean here. Uh, We're going to start today in Psalm 32. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it up. Let's read Psalm 32, 1 through 5 to start today. It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are are covered. Blessed, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Okay, so this is David crying out and talking about the forgiveness he was living in, but also pointing out that when he kept his mouth shut, that actually took him the wrong direction. Okay, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Keeping unforgiveness actually counts as one of those sins. Okay, and we need to find freedom from that. Now, interestingly enough, King David did not always have things right when it came to forgiveness, okay? 
we have this great passage from Psalm 32, but I actually want to go back and look at a story from his life. Uh, I want to look at his affair, all right? 2 Samuel 11 shows the story of his affair. We're not going to read all of that today, but if you don't know the story, there was a time when King David saw a woman who was not his wife. He took absolutely awful and egregious steps to make her his own, to take her as his own. Then he had her husband killed, um, and I want to actually look at 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 7. Let me read that to you. This is when Nathan the prophet comes to David to talk to him about what he did. David's living his life as if he's without sin, as if he's, he's uh, guiltless, and, and Nathan has something to say. He says, God was not at all pleased with what David had done, and so he sent Nathan to David, and Nathan said to him, there were two men in the same city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had huge flocks of sheep, herds of cattle. The poor man had nothing but one little female lamb, which he had brought and bought and raised. It grew up with him and his children as a member of the family. It ate off his plate and drank from his cup and slept on his bed. It was like a daughter to him. One day, a traveler dropped in on the rich man. He was too stingy to take an animal from his own herds or flocks to make a meal for his visitor. So he took the poor man's lamb and prepared a meal to set before his guest. David exploded in anger. As surely as God lives, he said to Nathan, the man who did this ought to be lynched. He must repay for the lamb four times over for his crime and his stinginess. You are that man said Nathan, okay? If you wonder why preachers tell stories, okay? David was so close to his sin and to his mess that he could not, or should I say he would not, see all that he had done. But when that exact parallel was made as someone else's shortcoming, he was enraged, okay? Listen, often, we all get too close to our own mess to see it. We get too close to our own mess to see it. And when we hear, we, we feel justified when we're slow to forgive people. We feel like, yeah, but you, Pastor Quint, you don't know. You don't understand. You, okay, but I think that the takeaway from this is that maybe we're just too close to it. And maybe what we need to understand is that I, I can't say when David wrote Psalm 32, the verse we started with. I don't know if it was before or after this event, but I know this. When he wrote it, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He had, I mean, saying he had a, a moment of immense clarity is an understatement. And he wrote, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. David understood that to be forgiven of all that we've done wrong is the literal definition of being blessed. Let me say that again. David understood that to be forgiven of all that we've done wrong is the literal definition of being blessed. And so who are we to take such a blessing and not also bestow forgiveness on others? Who are you, who am I, to ever withhold forgiveness from others? This story that got David's attention actually reminds me of another instance that was very similar. And so I want to spend the rest of our time this morning in Matthew chapter 18, okay? 
Pastor Nicole was here last week for part of her message, but in Matthew chapter 18, where we picked the story up, Jesus is doing a lot of uh, what he did, which is turning all of the disciples' thoughts upside down, turning them on their head, confusing them, having them ask clarifying questions, okay? And so, let me just read 18, 15 through 17, which we heard last week. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, then tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. All right, Jesus, let's go. A pagan or a tax collector. I can get behind that. Let's go over to Matthew 9 real quick and see how Jesus treated a pagan and a tax collector, just so that we don't, we don't want to mess this up. All right, so here we are. Matthew, who wrote this story, was a tax collector. And so this is the account of when Jesus encountered him. Passing along, Jesus saw a man at his work collecting taxes. His name was Matthew. Jesus said, come along with me. So Matthew stood up and followed him. Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit, and they lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher, acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? Jesus, overhearing, shot back. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm, in, I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. Oh, oh, that's what you meant by a pagan or a tax collector, Jesus? Listen, if you don't know Bible history, let me explain. Matthew was an Israelite who collected taxes for the Roman government from fellow Israelites. He was literally in the middle. He was being used by the government, despised by his own people. He, was a, he had nothing. He was rich, but he, he had nothing. And Jesus comes along and flips his life upside down and says, follow me. And so I think to see a firsthand account of what, you know, we read, you go to someone, you you bring the issue, then you bring someone else and bring the issue, then you bring the whole church, and then at the end, if it all doesn't get it, just start at the beginning. Hey, I love you. Want to have dinner? Uh, you know, I think that sometimes we feel like, okay, finally, Jesus escalated it to like where we, we probably would have started there. Oh, no, wait, we wouldn't have ever even got there. Just compassion and mercy poured out on someone. And so for Matthew to say, treat them as you would, a pagan or a tax collector, then for us to read his firsthand account. I mean, again, like I said, all of it is just Jesus flipping their cultural norms and frankly, our cultural norms on their head, okay? And just saying like, how you think is not, how you naturally think is not the way. This is the way. So back to chapter 18. Um, Let me just find my place here. So you know, I, we're all over the Bible this morning. Here's, here's my, my main hope from this, is that you see just how interwoven all of this is, okay? Sometimes we hear things in this culture like, man, you know, the Bible, 2022, like, does it, does it really jive? If you spend enough time in it, 
I think we need to do a better job. I think the, the main point of getting into the Word is to find out how it still absolutely applies to our life. I feel that one of the most important things we need to understand is that the truths found in this book are as relevant and life-preserving today. Listen, we all have people we need to forgive. We all have people we need to give forgiveness to. But the question is, will we get our minds right around forgiveness so that we can do that? This book has the answers and the key to do that. So Matthew 18, 17, it ends, okay? He, he says the whole thing, treat him as a pagan or a tax collector. And then it almost seems like Jesus is ready to move on to the next lesson. If you keep reading, he says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And he goes on and on. And then we go down to verse 21. And at this point, you know, Peter, actually Peter's usually an interrupter if you read the Bible. But at this, for some reason on this time, he sat on his hand. He's the student who's just waiting for the teacher to come up for air. And uh, as soon as there's a break in the conversation, Peter goes like this. He says, okay, okay, I, I hear, this is Quint's paraphrase of 21, okay? I hear what you're saying, bound on earth, bound in heaven. I, and, but can we just go back real quick to the, the tax collector thing, just real fast? And this is where Pastor Nicole was last week. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times, I tell you not seven, but 70 times seven, right? Okay, I told you there was a story. The, the story from David reminded me of another story. You thought I forgot. This is where we're at. Verse 23, all right? 1823 says, The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at a slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, give me a chance, I'll pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off and erases the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance, I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and they brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who also asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do for each of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. Okay, that's a lot. I understand that. But the question, the question we really need to hone in on is found in verses 32 and 33. It says, I forgave your entire debt when you begged for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who also asked for mercy, okay? For Jesus to tell someone to forgive 70 times seven, 490 times, honestly, he's really just making the point, what ground do you or I even have to stand on? What ground do we even have to, to stand on and say, I've been forgiven this, but listen to me, listen, you, you owe 
We have none, okay? And he is driving that point home with this story. Listen, this story that follows it up, it's, it's honestly him reminding us, just like Matthew just reminded us of his tax collector past, it's Jesus reminding us of our past, of, of where we started from. It's that lowly place. Isaiah 59 says we were once lost and confused and broken. It says we groped around in the darkness like people who were blind, okay? But now, as we find in the New Testament, when you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we are children of the light. We are children of the light. We are free. And so forgiveness as God's key to our blessing. Let me ask you this question. What could be a greater blessing than being forgiven? I would suggest the answer is this. The only thing that can enhance that amazing gift is to also generously give out forgiveness to all those who have hurt us. The only thing that can enhance the amazing gift of freedom and forgiveness is also giving out forgiveness to those who have hurt us. I know, I know, I don't understand. You're right, you don't even have to start. I don't know what happened, I don't. But I know this, you're forgiven. You're forgiven and because of that you have the freedom, you have the option, you have the ability to give forgiveness and trust Jesus to fill the gaps and trust Jesus to meet the needs and trust Jesus to to figure out the details, okay? It's not always easy, it's not always pretty. But I think the only thing that can make amazing even more amazing is to remember that lowly place from which we came and to thank God for his faithfulness and his patience and then turn our gratefulness into an act of worship that is giving forgiveness to other people long before they ever deserve it. Listen, they might never come to the realization They might never say, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about giving forgiveness to someone so we can feel that freedom, so we can know what we read in Psalm 32, knowing that freedom, not keeping our mouths shut and feeling that that bones wasting away feeling when we're holding on to things and harboring things. If you would stand this morning, I just want to pray as we close. I want to pray... That, that we will be able to walk this out, that you see these things in new ways, okay? I want to pray that you will find room in your heart, that you will find room in your spirit to accept these truths into your life, okay? And hopefully, at the end of all of that, you can be in a position where you say, spouse, I forgive you. Parent, I forgive you. Uh, Son, daughter, friend, person who's hurt me, I just want you to know, you don't even have to tell them, but you can just forgive them, okay? And then we talk about forgiveness as God's key to blessing. It's not material blessing. It's not financial blessing. It's the blessing of living forgiven, of living free, and of being able to look at someone you're going through life with or look at Jesus and say, I get it now. I get it. This is absolutely a better way to live. So Jesus, I just thank you for the church. I thank you for the opportunity to gather as the church, to learn these things, to forgive each other inside the church, and to forgive those inside our lives. I pray that this morning, that these truths that you've shown us in your word from Psalm 32 to 2 Samuel 12 to Matthew 18, I just pray that 
these truths would get inside us in all new ways and that we would live forgiven and that we would live as people who exude forgiveness to those who deserve it or don't because, Lord, we understand none of that even matters because we didn't deserve it and yet you forgave us. And so we praise you and we thank you and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. I was one.